Greetings, everybody. This is David Avocado Wolf here, and we are gearing up for our fourth annual Women's Wellness Conference. That's going to be Friday, October 9th through Sunday, October 11th, 2015, at the Hilton Orange County in Costa Mesa, California. We're going to be joined by a number of luminaries, Marianne Williamson, Carolyn Mace, Dr. Sarah Godfrey, Dr. Alan Christensen, Robin O'Brien, and our incredible guest here today. Listen closely. This woman is a revolutionary food activist. She's the creator of foodbabe.com. She's a best-selling author of The Food Babe Way. She's influenced the food giants, food giants like Kraft, Subway, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, and Starbucks have been steered by this woman's incredible activism. Her name is Vani Hari, and she might see her on Facebook, or you might have seen her stuff going around as the food babe, and she's an activist getting us to sign petitions and, and getting us to really dig in closely as to what the heck is in our food, what these food giants have been putting in the food. With no further ado, welcome, Bonnie Hari. How are you? So good to be here. Right on. You, you calling us from Charlotte? Yes, I'm in North Carolina today. Fantastic. For those of you who don't know, Bonnie Hari is a Southern Belle from Charlotte, North Carolina, and she brings with with her that that wonderful presence that the South exudes. And one of those things that comes out of the South is a huge amount of food and a huge amount of farming and a huge amount of cotton and a huge amount of crops. And she's working to to change the way that Americans. America's big giant companies are buying these things. So let's get into the latest. I've seen you doing a whole subway petition lately about antibiotic raised meat. I mean, that's, that is like the core of American, of the American meat industry. And you're, you're saying, Hey, it's got to stop. What's happening on that front with the subway petition? And I'm talking about subway sandwiches, of course. Um, and, and there, geez, how many stores do they have? They are a huge lobby, huge powerhouse. Tell us about that, that project. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been working with several consumer advocacy organizations on this issue for the past year. You know, I got their attention because of some of my dealings with another large fast food chain called Chick-fil-A, where I was able to influence them to start serving meat without raised, without antibiotics. So basically meat raised without antibiotics. And they made like the first commitment out of any major fast food chain. And I knew that if you know, one person does it, you know, one large corporation does it, then uh, the ability for other large corporations to follow suit are, are right behind that. And so as a result of that amazing commitment Chick-fil-A made, people like, uh, you know, some corporations like at Costco and Walmart also made formal commitments to stop the use of certain antibiotics in food, as well as McDonald's. So this has been, uh, you know, a small snowball revolution happening here in terms of meat production and, and how to raise animals safely and for also for human health. And unfortunately, the misuse of antibiotics in farm animals is creating superbugs and antibiotic-resistant bacteria that threaten humans. And, and, and I personally am deeply impacted by this issue because my dad actually got affected by one of these antibiotic resistant bacteria and was hospitalized 
for a week and we had to take care of him. We weren't sure if he was going to recover because the antibiotics that he was supposed to take to, to get rid of this bacteria didn't work. And so um, it was a pretty scary time. And so not only am I taking on this issue from a food activism standpoint, I'm doing this for my dad too. And and the reason why we, we started with Subway is because just a little background information. I mean, 80, close to 80%, they say between 70 and 80% of the world's antibiotics is used on farm animals. Now, the reason why farm animals are given antibiotics is number one, to keep them in really horrible, overcrowded um, conditions, inhumane conditions, and be able to still survive and be able to be sold for meat. That's the first reason. The second reason, and that's really about disease prevention, so they give perfectly healthy animals antibiotics. The second reason is to fatten them up. They found that when you give low doses of antibiotics to animals, they get fatter and their meat becomes greater. And so they can, these farmers can actually have more profit as a result and they can sell more meat and they can sell more meat on one animal more than they would without those antibiotics. So those two things are two ways that the meat industry uses antibiotics that aren't really necessary. Now, if they were to keep their animals in humane conditions, they wouldn't have to do the disease prevention antibiotics. And also if they took care of the animals from a humane standpoint too, they wouldn't fatten them up artificially with these art with these um, antibiotics. So, so there's, there's a lot of things going on within the meat industry that, you know, needs to be exposed, number one, but number two needs to stop because this could really threaten the human population because once we have these superbugs running rampant in our environment and on our uh, ability to protect ourselves becomes reduced, we really have a serious health crisis. And, and right now, 23,000 people per year die in the United States alone, 700,000 worldwide of this issue. A million people are affected each each year in the United States. And so, you know, my dad was one of those. And so really, it's up to us to ask the largest corporations in the world. And Subway is the largest fast food chain. They have more stores than even McDonald's. And they have Seven, I think they sell 7.6 million subs per day and they control what they, you know, is estimated up to $6 billion of the meat industry. So they really have an opportunity to be a leader here and commit to doing this. And, and since, uh, I started the petition at foodbabe.com slash subway meat, we've had over 31,000 people sign in just a couple of days, which has been absolutely incredible. And subway actually wrote a comment on my blog, which was really amazing that they are paying attention. But they said they, you know, they agree that, you know, this issue is important and they support this issue, but they haven't come out with any formal policy or a formal timeline on how to get there like these other fast food chains have done as of late. So we're really waiting for that and we're putting the heat on because they really have the obligation to do this for human health and for the health of the animals too. Let's talk about where these antibiotics are coming from. I mean, these, this stuff is manufactured by companies like Monsanto, and Monsanto has got a stranglehold and a complete, like, lockdown on the federal government of the United States. You know, that's why you see revolving doors where people go from Monsanto to the FDA, then they go into a government position and back out again, and that kind of thing is going on. I remember I was talking to a friend who who had dinner with Michael Taylor, who's you know, the, he's the head of the FDA. And actually what Michael Taylor said is, was very interesting because we would think, okay, this guy 
is running the FDA. He used to be at Monsanto. What's his, what's his thing there? Well, it actually wasn't what we thought it was. We thought that, oh, this guy is, is just completely trying to block GMO labeling and all that. Actually, his whole thing was antibiotics for livestock, and he thinks that's a real good thing, and that's the best thing ever. And he actually gave my friend a great tip, and he said, look, that Monsanto is going after the federal government to just get the GMO labeling blocked at the federal level, so the states are just looted out of the whole point completely. And it seems like that's what's going to go on here. I mean, my guess is, and one of our one of our um, women's wellness attendees had asked this question, there's on the books right now, and you may know some about this, there, there are going to be changes in the regulations going into effect in the beginning of 2017. And this is like what the federal government always does, is that as soon as there's like a public outcry, they just try to squelch it by more legislation blocking um, these food giants from being accountable. You know, there is some legislation happening, but again, there's always these loopholes that they build in because, you know, there's a lot of negotiation back and forth with all of these companies. And you mentioned Monsanto. It's really the pharmaceutical industry when it comes to antibiotics. Like it's, it's, and Michael Taylor, I'm sure is in their pockets. And so it's like we have a situation now where we're, you know, the, the federal government is addressing this issue in terms of the overuse of antibiotics. But they still allow certain disease-type prevention uses of antibiotics to continue even after some of these legislation things take hold. So, you know, if we continue to allow perfectly healthy animals to be raised with antibiotics, we're going to be in big trouble in terms of public health. And that is why me and 60 other groups are calling on Subway and other major fast food chains to, to make a real commitment to, to reduce this. It feels like we're already in serious trouble health-wise with everything going on from obesity to the epidemic of cancer to heart disease still being the number one killer to the, the pending situation of being this next generation being the generation that doesn't live as long as their parents and, and all that kind of stuff. In light of all that, you know, we're trying to make sense of it all, right? We're trying to like kind of shop, you know, for organic stuff or grow our own food or all of that. How do we get to a point where we can actually even trust the organic certification? Like, what's your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about other certifications like biodynamic, which is even beyond organic? The organic label, you know, fortunately is, is pretty trustworthy. And the reason why I say pretty trustworthy is because there's always people at the NOSB, which is the organization that kind of regulates the organic label and the certification that are kind of co-opted by these larger corporations or the people that want to water down organic standards. And I'll give you a perfect example. Carrageenan is an ingredient that is allowed in organic food, but this causes intestinal inflammation. When it becomes degraded, it can be a carcinogen in your gut. And there have been organizations that have, you know, petitioned the NOSB and the, and the regulatory bodies that, that govern the definition of organic to remove this as being allowed from organic. So there's still substances in organic food that um, food manufacturers are still allowed to put and still certify their products organic. And so it's up to us consumers to understand what those ingredients are, to always read ingredient labels and make sure every single one on the label is labeled organic something. And if you see a different ingredient that isn't labeled organic or you don't know why is in there, you don't eat it until you understand why. And that's kind of like my motto, right? Like if you don't understand what you're eating, then you shouldn't be eating it because I can tell you 
most likely, I'd say nine times out of 10, it's only there to improve the bottom line of the food industry and not improve your health. And what we need to be asking the food industry and everyone who produces food is how is this food improving my health? If they can't answer that with these chemicals and additives that they're putting in our food, then that food shouldn't be in our bodies. It seems like these food giants, because they're so in bed with the federal government and they're, they're just trying to stay one step ahead of us as consumers by screwing up the labeling. Like they took high fructose corn syrup and they changed it to HFCS. And then, you know, then it's another thing and they have another name for it. How are, how are we doing on controlling that issue right there? Is it, are we anywhere close to getting to a point where they have to use a standardized name for the product? If it's high fructose corn syrup, it needs to say, high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, you know, we aren't anywhere close to that. I mean, we have an FDA that's asleep at the wheel. They don't even know the amount of food additives we're being exposed to. There's over 10,000 food additives allowed in our food. And I'll give you a perfect example. There's a similar example to the one you mentioned about high fructose corn syrup. You know, trans fats, trans fats are, are, are about to set to be banned from food. I think in three years, all manufacturers are supposed to get that out of their food. Well, there's other forms of trans fats that lurk in other ingredients, and one of those is monodiglycerides. Um, and that's something that you'll see on almost every processed food in the grocery store. I mean, it's in everything from ice cream to breads to crackers to cookies. And it's, it's another way, uh, it's, it's another fatty acid that contains a really small amount of trans fats that no one's studied to see the harmful effects. And no one knows how much trans fats in there is being put into our food. Why are we eating this thing if, if, if there's no safe level of trans fats, according to the FDA and um, the CDC, who says there's 7,000 people who die every year and 20,000 heart attacks? Why are these substances being allowed in our food in the first place? And why are they allowed to be under these different complicated chemical names that, you know, don't really serve a purpose to educate the public? So that's why, you know, my motto again is, it's like, you need to understand what these ingredients are that you're eating and you need to research them and know about them. And one way to, to stay engaged and, and to keep on top of everything that's changing in the government and changing in regulations and, and all these tricks by the food industry and loopholes is to actually subscribe to some of these consumer advocacy groups, email newsletters. You know, they really stay on top of a lot of this information. And, you know, everyone from the Environmental Working Group to the Center of Food Safety to the NRDC um, to Consumers Union, you know, all of these groups, they really do pay attention to all this. And they're they're in Washington, you know, working uh, to, to get the information to the public. We try to get this information out to the public as fast as possible, too, so we can make informed decisions. And we can also like, you know, warn people about these like tricky things that are happening in the food industry. You've been, you've been obviously battling the food giants and and doing it successfully. I remember Paul Stitt wrote a book back in the sixties called battling the food giants. And it looked like an unwinnable war back then, but now they're bending because there actually are quite a few conscious people in these companies you know, higher up that are, that do want to change for the better, but they're also unconscious people who don't want to change it for the better, who want the status quo. And so they come at you, you know, under fake accounts or phony, you know, whatever, or spammers or haters or whatever saying, Oh, Vani Hari, she's unscientific. Meanwhile, we were crash test dummies for their chemicals for 60 years. And that to mm-hmm. me is very unscientific. How do you feel about that whole thing? And like, what is happening on the front of this, you know, the spammer, hater, you know, the 
setups that are going on by these food giants to try to attack you. You know, on a personal level, David, at first when this started happening, I thought as long as I get companies to do the right thing, everything would work out. You know, being a food activist was not something I set out to do. It just kind of happened. And so when these major corporations started changing their products as a result of our campaigns um, and the mass awareness of all, all these people happening, you know, I started getting a lot of heat. I was a scapegoat for a lot of these changes. And I mean, I, we're shifting the money so dramatically from conventional to organic that it's like they can't even keep up. I mean, the fact that Coca-Cola is now investing in a juice company, Suja, the fact that, you know, this other bread company, Flower Foods, is buying Dave's Killer Bread, you know, a, a brand that's like organic and, and better for you than all the other like Wonder Breads of them out there, you know, and like the fact that all of these companies are being bought up means that these conventional food sectors are they're they're scared. They're like, we don't have any products that the customer wants anymore. We need to buy what the customer wants so that we can sell them and survive. And so we're changing the hands of money very dramatically and, and companies are taking a huge hit. And I'll I'll give you an example. I mean when Subway campaigned against last year with the azodicarbonamide in their bread, the yoga mat chemical not only did they have to take that out, but they had to go through a huge public awareness campaign of their own bread saying, you know, hey, we've done this, we're doing this. They had television commercials. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I saw that. And and little flyers in each one of those little plastic sleeves that they, they send off with their subs to, to each customer when they when they purchase their subs. And, you know, just reading about the hit that they took last year, they lost more money than even McDonald's last year, uh, according to the recent reports. And so... You know, when you change that much money through public awareness about people finally understanding that eating at Subway is not eating fresh, it is just not eating fresh. And that whole mantra has just been fake from the very beginning. Um, and people become aware and they start reading ingredient labels and start to understand what real food is like the that is very powerful. And they have to they have to blame someone and they have to go after someone for those changes. And they're going after me because I've been able to spark this awareness in the public with this massive army of people who not only care about what they're eating, but they're willing to call and, and educate the public and share this information online totally virally. And, and it's so inspiring to watch. And this is just a huge sign that we're winning. And I, and even to say this to you now, David, I've come a long way because at first I took a lot of this stuff very personally. You know, I was in that position of like, gosh, these people are trying to destroy my character. They're trying to destroy my credibility. You know, what am I going to do? And and this whole time, I've had the utmost reliance on science. I mean, I had every single scientific organization that looked over additives and food, you know, look over some of my campaigns before I launched them. You know, before I launched the Yoga Mat Chemical Campaign, I had the Environmental Working Group scientists and the Center of Science and Public Interest scientists look over my campaign. And, you know, I was telling the media this, but these but the people who were the detractors, the people who were trying to make me look unscientific are the people that are are really, frankly, dependent upon this very archaic system of food additives. And, and they're supporters of the corporations. They're supporters of the chemicals. They're supporters of the GMOs and the glyphosate and everything else in our environment. And, you know, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the people who want more chemicals in our world or the people who want less? And that's what it really came down to. And when people start to look at this information for themselves, when they start to realize what's happening here, they know what's going on. And, and I, I have, I have faith that 
the universe has our back, right? The universe has our back because as long as you keep your eye on the ball and keep moving forward and your only goal is like to really improve the public health, like nothing, no no harm can happen to you. And I, I really believe that. And so like over the last year, I've had this kind of spiritual journey as well as far as like how to deal with critics and how to deal with haters. And there's certain times where you listen to them and there's certain times when you don't. And, and the ways that I have listened to them, I'll tell you, you know, I started an advisory council. It has, you know, four doctors. Um, it's got a nutritionist on there, you know, actually five doctors and a nutritionist. And, you know, these people are renowned in their field. And so, you know, I have them look over my stuff. I have them vet my things just to make sure, you know, again, I'm not a scientist, nutritionist or a doctor, but you don't need to be any of those things in order to take back control of your health and learn this information. And the fact that these other people are saying that you have to be, you know, an educated expert at your field to figure out how to eat is kind of a problem. Let's bring it back to Charlotte, North Carolina, where you're living and with your family and, and the day-to-day, because you, you are doing such incredible work out there, really putting yourself on the line, bringing this advisory group together, putting campaigns together. But behind that is, you know, you're, you're a family woman, and, you know, you've got to eat too. So tell us a little bit about your diet. Like, what are you doing? What's interesting to you? What are you making at home? What are your favorite superfoods? That kind of stuff. I go by like habits, right? Like I don't like calling myself vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever. Like I don't like any of those labels because really I want to eat like, and I I like to travel just like you do, David. And so like, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the Amazon, I like to eat how the people are eating in the Amazon. You know, when I'm in India, I like to eat how they're eating in India. I, you know, and when I was in Africa recently in Rwanda and Tanzania, I wanted to eat what they were eating, you know, because a lot of these cultures, they don't rely on processed foods at all. And what they're eating is they're eating off the land and they're eating amazing superfoods um, that they're growing right there in the backyard. And, and it's the freshest, most nutrient dense stuff that you can get anywhere. And it's like, you know, I want to be able to really like live like people around the world and really experience life. And so I don't want to like ever label myself. So what I do is I like, I go by like some basic habits, right? So Every morning I wake up and I have lemon water with cayenne pepper. It's like a, it's like a no negotiable. That's what I do every single morning before I do anything else. And that's just like sets up my liver for success. It is just awesome. It's very alkaline and it's just great for, for the body. And that's just something I do every single day. And I've done it for several, several years. And not only has it improved my immunity, but I think it has a major impact on my taste buds. Um, I think just having that, that citric, flash in the morning, if you will, you know, really kind of set up my taste buds from wanting something really sweet or, or, or junky to eat. Also, I always try to have some type of raw foods at every single meal during the day. Um, I still eat cooked food and I eat cooked food, but it's like, you know, I want to have something raw, unadulterated that the food industry hasn't processed that I can eat at every single meal of the day. And if that means blueberries uh, and raw walnuts on top of my oatmeal, then that's the raw component. Or if it means a big salad at lunch or, you know, gazpacho at dinner, I've been taking whatever like vegetables I have and just like blending them up and putting a little balsamic vinegar and garlic and onion in there. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's just amazing. Topped with avocado. It's like delicious. Uh, and then you're getting like a ton of vegetables in one sitting, which, you know, and I am a very heavy plant-based food person and diet. And I've realized that 
not only does that give me a ton of energy throughout the day where I don't have those like three o'clock and it's, it's funny. It's kind of ironic because right now we're talking at three o'clock where normally I would like back in the day when I was on the standard American diet, I would totally crash and need to go get a coffee or do whatever. Now it's like, I have so much energy. It's going through the roof because I'm eating a, a mainly plant-based diet that is t- full of nutrition and, and, you know, and also supplement with amazing uh, uh, superfoods. So like, for example, I eat like hemp and chia almost every single day. I also love like for my, my sweet tooth, I do have a sweet tooth still. I love goji berries and golden berries. I have goji berry, fresh goji berries actually growing in my yard. Um, and, uh, and my love, it's really funny. I was like talking all about my love of golden berries and, and the golden berry, like Institute of like, Mexico, uh, who, who imports them from Colombia, like sent me a huge shipment of fresh golden berries. It was like incredible. I have like this refrigerator full of golden berries. My diet's like golden berry galore right now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know that golden berries, dry golden berries taste just like, um, nature's sour patch kids. And they're like, have some of the most protein out of any fruit. Um, and, and they're totally full of vitamin A and vitamin C. They're delicious. Um, that was, that, that's, that's good, right? I mean, that was amazing right there. I like the golden berry <laughs> conversation. I actually introduced that into the U.S. market, that product, which is, if you want to know the, the Latin name, it's Fissilis Peruvianus, and it's a, it's the Peruvian gooseberry, actually. And mm-hmm. I've got them actually grown in my yard right now, and I've got a hedgehog that's a little out of control that keeps eating them, but I like <laughs> the hedgehog because that hedgehog has eaten four hornet's nests already this year. Um, but, Anyway, back to our story. We're really excited to have you at Women's Wellness. And you are such an incredible speaker. You're a very beautiful woman. You present yourself with that great Southern charisma. What, give us a little bit of a sneak peek as to what you're going to be sharing at Women's Wellness, something different than you've covered already on this call. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I really want to share with everyone is kind of the struggles that I had at living the standard American diet in the corporate world and what I did to break free from that. I really want to go through the certain habits that, that, that really will stand the test of time and be able, you'll be able to uphold those habits no matter where you are and what you're doing. And I really want to like share those experience with people. I also want to, I want to talk about some pitfalls of really popular diets out there and where you're going to have problems and where the food industry is going to get you depending upon what diet you're following. And so that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about as well. Fantastic. For everybody listening right now, this is Vani Hari speaking. I'm, I'm David Wolf speaking to Vani Hari, the food babe. We are going to be together at the Women's Wellness Conference, womenswellnessconference.com. That's coming up very shortly, October 9th through 11th. 2015 at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California. All the details are on the website. Bonnie Hart is going to be joined by not only myself, but Marianne Williamson, Carolyn Mace, Dr. Sarah Godfrey, Dr. Alan Christensen, Robin O'Brien, and many more. It's going to be an outrageous weekend. Are you excited about women's wellness, Bonnie? Oh my gosh, I'm so, so excited. I was at Longevity Now back uh, a few months ago, and it was the most incredible crowd so i can't even imagine what this is going to be like it's just going to be so much fun again i can't wait we we really enjoyed you last time at longevity and we're very excited to have you this time thanks so much for joining us to everybody out there myself david avocado wolf and bonnie hari the food babe are wishing you the best day ever
cool. Okay. To stop conference recording, press one. To read your conference recording has stopped. That was awesome. Okay, hey, we'll see you at, at Women's Wellness in, a, in about, ooh, it's coming up in about two months here. Um, until then, have the best time ever. Great work that you're doing, and we're all avid supporters. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate the support. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay, cheers. Bye.